There was a newscaster who used to have a saying as part of his broadcast, and now for the rest of the story. Some of you are old enough to recognize that. Some of you need to Google it. The implication was, I've told you part of it, now let me tell you the finish. Let me tell you the punchline. Let me tell you the next thing. Well, this morning I want to give you the rest of the story. Last Sunday I talked about the big rock. Going camping with my brother and his family and we went out on the lake and actually camped out on an island and had been told about the big rock that they always went to. So I asked to go to that, and my brother took us there and showed me the way up there. But there was more to that story. If you were here last week, you heard the description of how big it was and how tall it was. Let me add a little more to that. Most of it true. When we got to the top and looked down, the boat that was a decent size looked very, very small because of how big this rock was. But you see, the other reason that I wanted to see this rock is I had been told the stories of others who had gone camping there who not just climbed the rock, but jumped off the rock into the water. So we got up there and looked out and stepped out to the edge, and I said, this is where they jumped? He goes, yep. He said, including Charles, who can't swim. God rest his soul. No, he he had a life vest on and survived. And I said, so this is it. This is the one that the guys will climb up here and they jump off this rock. And he said, yeah. And I said, and all the guys have done this. He said, yes. I said, okay. And I took a big step. A really big step. It was a lot higher up than I realized. Because it took a lot longer than I anticipated to fall. A lot of things crossed my mind on the way down. How's Jody going to survive? Will they recover my body? Will they even try? And it was far enough up that even with a life vest on, when I hit the water, I went way under. Came back up and gasped for some air and looked up to see my brother standing up at the top of that rock. And he looked really little. And then I had this great satisfaction as I swam over to the boat that I had done it. I didn't just climb the rock. I conquered the rock. I jumped off into the water and as far as I could tell, survived. Got into the boat, looked up at my brother and I'm going, come on. He jumped into the water. He swam over to the boat. I said, that was amazing. And he got in the boat and he said, I can't believe you jumped. I said, you told me everybody did. He goes, no. (laughs) Not everybody has done it. 
I was sure you wouldn't do it. He said, I had never done it. He said, but after you jumped, I felt like I had to take that next step. Peer pressure is an amazing thing, isn't it? Especially among siblings. That step was a big step. Now, I've been known to say that one of the things you need to do is take the next right step. I don't know to this day if that was the right step that I took, but it was the next step. Because there was nowhere else to go when I got to the edge of the big rock. And there was an incredible feeling while falling from that rock. It was an amazing feeling of freedom in the midst of terror. When it comes to freedom, when we recognize what freedom really means, it is both exhilarating and terrifying. Because there's responsibilities that come with freedom. And this morning, I want us to take a look in the New Testament, in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, at the steps to freedom and what God has provided for us with the freedom he has given to us. The steps to freedom that we can follow, that we need to follow to be all that God has designed and desires for us to be. We're going to take a look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and then we're going to read beginning at verse 16 to the end of the chapter. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 from the English Standard Version says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And then at verse 16, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, hmm. envy, drunkenness, orgies, and these and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, Envying one another. Verse 1, for freedom Christ has set 
you free. We've been freed from the bondage of sin. We've been freed from the bondage of self. We've been freed from the bondage of past to live freely. Not just a slogan, not just a saying, not just a bumper sticker, not just a t-shirt, but to literally and truly live free. So what does that mean? These steps to freedom. Number one, you have to believe you are free. When someone says, I forgive you, you have to believe they've forgiven you. If someone says you're free to go, you have to believe you are free to go. There's a, a TV show, one, one of those on the Food Channel. Um, it's evident that I like to watch the Food Channel and I like to eat while I watch the Food Channel. And one of those is a thing called Guy's Grocery Games. Any of you seen that one? It's okay to admit it. It's not sinful. And at the beginning of that, as the four people start out in the game, they have been told that after I say three, two, one, go, the host doing this, then you can take off. But he always does it in a tricky way. He'll use the number three describing something and two and one and somewhere go. And sometimes they're just standing there for several seconds after he said go and they have a limited time to complete the task they've been given. Because they don't really believe that they are free to go. Because there's a penalty if you go too early. So they sit there starting and stopping wondering, is it okay to go? I think an awful lot of us are following Christ that way. He said, it is for freedom that I set you free. It is for freedom that I've forgiven you. It is for freedom that I died for you. And it seems like a lot of us are still stuttering at the starting line. Is it really okay to live this way? You have to believe that you are free. You have to believe that you've been given this freedom in Christ. Verse 1, for freedom Christ has set you free. So live freely. You've been set free by Christ through the Spirit, as verse 16 declares. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The Spirit speaking living with, for, and in Christ, and the Holy Spirit in you. The flesh describing our personal, selfish desires, and that which is against what Christ desires and designed for us. You have to believe you are free. You have to go against the lies of Satan that says, they're free, you're not. Ever heard that? Well, yeah, it's okay for them to live freely, but not you because, and you get reminded of your past. One of the great ways to tell the difference between Christ speaking to you and Satan demeaning you is Satan keeps reminding you of your past and Christ keeps reminding you of your future. Satan doesn't want you to be free. He doesn't want you to go ahead. And Christ 
died for your freedom so that you can move forward in a life of freedom in Christ. Believe you are free. Number two, you need to live rooted in your freedom. Now that seems like a contradiction and it's interesting in chapter five, verse one, for Christ has set us free, stand firm therefore. That seems to be contradictory until you understand the firmness is in our conviction and our belief rooted in our freedom. You've been set free, so live solidly, grounded in this foundation of freedom that we have been given. So you need to check the soil of your heart. What's growing there? Are you giving it the right nourishment and nutrition? Has the wrong stuff crept in? It's amazing. I, I, I am not a plant person. I, I don't dislike plants. I just don't like to do anything with them. Plus, I'm not any good at it. Nor do I really want to be, to be honest with you. I'm the lawn person who loves a beautiful lawn. I just don't want to do anything to make it beautiful. I mow it because it's against the law not to. Plus, I don't want to be shown up by my neighbors. So they mowed, I got to mow. But the interesting thing I've discovered is that a lot of times how well that lawn grows, how well your plants grow, has more to do with what they are planted and rooted in than what you put on them. That is so true of us. How we live in Christ has more to do with the soil of our heart and our soul. What we are planting our life in than the other stuff that we're pouring on it. So check the soil of your heart. Continue to feed and nourish it with the right stuff. That's what verses 16 through 26 are talking about. You know, walk by the spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. There's a contradiction, a war that is taking place. And if you don't feed the right stuff, you're going to lose the war and not even realize it. Number three, do not give up your freedom. Look in verse one again. It says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Submit meaning we chose it. Not that it was thrust upon us, but that we willingly chose. And why would we ever choose slavery over freedom? Fear is one. Because freedom can scare us if we've not lived freely before. Now, to live freely does not mean to live without boundaries. We don't have time to go into all of that this morning. But to understand, do not give up your freedom. It means do not submit to being bound to the wrong things. Galatians 5 Verses 19 to 21 give us a long list, but not complete list of wrong 
things. It says that the works of the flesh, the things we should be avoiding are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, and it goes on this long list. It says that's against the spirit. That's against the freedom that Christ has offered, given to us and died for us to have. We need to be careful to use our freedom correctly. Do not give up your freedom by submitting to the wrong things because when you do, you become bound to those things. Now, it's interesting that we often talk about bad habits instead of good habits. The bad habits, verses 19 through 21, as opposed to the good habits, the fruit of the Spirit that is given to us and listed for us in verses 22 and 23. We don't want to submit to the yoke of slavery. We don't want to submit and be bound to the wrong things, but instead we want to produce the fruit of freedom. And there are nine of them listed there. And that list gets even longer when you realize all the things that those nine things produce. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of freedom, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what we should be striving for. That's what we should be looking for. Instead of saying as often as we do, don't do these things, the list of the things we don't want to be bound to, we should be saying instead, live in these things, the fruit of the Spirit. If your focus is on what not to do, you'll still do it. But if your focus is on what you should do, that'll begin to be what you follow. One is the flesh, personal, selfish, sinful. One is the spirit as God designed and desires for us to live. His desire is for us to live in love, showing it, sharing it, believing it, which produces joy, which produces peace, peace in our spirit. We can't control the actions of others, but we can influence them. And we're not going to influence them by the first list, but only by this second list in the fruit of the Spirit. Patience. I shared with someone this morning as I was studying and reading, I came across this definition of patience. We generally think patience means being able to wait it out. Right? You think of patience, you think of holding on. The definition that this really is, the word picture that's used is not just waiting, but your behavior while you are waiting. Now, to be honest, I'm more convicted by that definition than just waiting. It's one thing to wait. I can hold on. I can grit my teeth. I can not like it at all. But if patience has to do with my behavior while I'm waiting, my focus changes. It doesn't just mean I'm waiting it out how much longer. Like we do the countdown 
to the service. And even if you don't want to, you have a tendency to look at that and you're counting with it. Counting it down. My last church, our, our children were in worship at the beginning of worship and they got into this habit of counting down the last 10 seconds out loud. I mean, they, they were doing it and then they would cheer. And at first I'm like, oh, come on. They went, how awesome is that? They were counting down going, yeah, now we can worship. I like that anticipation. That's another message, not this one. But patience means how do I live while I'm waiting? Because the waiting sometimes is not the stuff I like. So what am I doing in the midst of that? Living in the flesh, the wrong list, or living in the spirit, the right list? You also need to use your freedom to change lives. See, if I believe that I'm free, if I live rooted in my freedom, if I make sure I don't give up my freedom, focusing on the wrong stuff, then I will change lives starting with mine when I use this freedom. To use this freedom, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Using your freedom to change lives means not living according to the flesh, the world, the things that are against what Christ desires, but living in the spirit and the fruit of that spirit. To use my freedom to change lives. And there was never a time in the history of us and our country that it has been more important for us to live using our freedom to change lives. Take a look at that first list, verses 19 through 21, compared to that second list, verses 22 to 23. That which to avoid and that which to produce. And look at the contrast and notice that one of the things to avoid is divisiveness or division. We're not doing a very good job of that in our country right now. And it's not just them. It's us. We got to focus on this freedom. Using this freedom to change lives. Which means you and I need to be one who unites instead of divides people. That doesn't mean agreeing on everything, but I can be united with you as a brother or sister in Christ. I can be united with my neighbor who's not a believer, understanding I love him and that Jesus loves him without having to divide. Agree? That's not the same thing. If we took a poll right now about a lot of stuff, there's a lot of stuff we don't agree on. I mean, some of you, I have no idea how or why, and I never will understand it, but you actually think liver and onions is a good thing. I pray for you. My side of heaven isn't going to have it. Or so I think. But we need to be one who unites 
around the love of Christ. And the love of Christ can never be used to be divisive. Never. Will it divide? Yes, for those who choose not to accept and follow it. But the love of Christ and us living in that love seeks to reach others with the love of Christ. Be one who unites instead of divides. We need to use our freedom to change lives by being one who shows compassion instead of contempt. One of the things that has broken my heart in the last few years is the words of contempt that I see and hear those who claim to be followers of Christ and those who claim not to be, the contempt for whoever disagrees with us. And if you love liver and onions, I love you. Please don't ask me to participate or even be around while you do. <laughs> but to show compassion even on those we disagree with. To show compassion even on those who don't like us. Contempt never saved anyone. Contempt never drew anybody to Jesus. But compassion has. And it will continue to do it. We need to use our freedom to change lives by being one who is lifting instead of lowering people. By lifting people up instead of putting people down. You say they're wrong. They may well be. But Jesus went to the cross for all who were wrong. And while on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. We need to have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. That's freedom. That's the fruit of the Spirit. To be one who lifts. You seek to unite. You show compassion. You seek to lift others up and they will be drawn to what motivates you to do that because they don't understand. They want to know, how can you do that? Only one reason, because of Jesus Christ and the freedom he's given me. So I got to ask a couple questions. Are you living in the freedom of Christ? And then, what are you doing with your freedom? Are you uniting others? Are you lifting them up? Are you being compassionate toward them? That's what we must seek. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. It is for freedom you have been set free. So stand firm. Be rooted in that freedom. And don't submit. Don't give in to the slavery that Satan desires us to live in. 
It is for freedom that you have been set free. So let's live in that freedom. I've discovered something about freedom. And it's kind of represented with this. Because three weeks ago, with my permission, the doctor stuck a new joint where that hip used to be. It is now a foreign object <laughs> that I gladly welcome. And each passing day, I have a little more freedom. I went from the walker to the cane, and I'm starting to go from the cane to just me. Not as quick as I want, because patience is one I struggle with. Now, don't look at me that way, so do you. But it is for freedom that I'm doing those exercises. It is for freedom that I went through what I went through so that on the other side, which I'm almost there, the pain is gone. The freedom of movement has returned so that I can do what I believe I'm supposed to be doing. It is for freedom that you have been set free. So what are you doing with your freedom? Jesus, thank you for those who have gone before us in the faith and showed us what it means to live freely in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you for those who have gone before us in this country and sacrificed what they have so that we have the freedom to worship Christ freely. We rejoice and are humbled by that. But the freedom that matters most is the freedom that comes through salvation by grace in Jesus Christ. Guide us to live freely for the reasons you've given us. May we be ones who unite, who have, show, and live in compassion as we lift others to you. Lord, may it never be said that we seek to divide except from sin. May it never be said that we are full of contempt. Oh, Father, May we use the freedom you have given to live freely as Jesus did. May we celebrate it and exercise it as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen.